we watched the Columbus game uh, on Friday, and it looked like they, even though that they were down by three goals, it looked like you know one goal, and they could start coming back and start pouring it on. Not even that. We, we, you and I looked at each other, and we're like, we fully believe they're going to come back and at least oh. get a point out. Of yeah, I agree. And then uh, the Minnesota game, not not at all. It was the exact opposite. It's like as soon as they got that second goal, it was like, well. This game's over, and I I hate calling those games. I hate saying that when it's still so early in, just because I've watched so much hockey, I know that anything can happen. But at the same time, because you've watched so much hockey, you know when there are those just games that their team is not going to come back from. It's when the Predators started scrapping that I said, you know what, they've given up in this game, and I'm like, I'm 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 here. I'm kind of invested, but this this is how they're going to treat the game. You know that they're not taking winning seriously they're taking the spirit of hockey we're going to call it seriously and that doesn't but hey that's what eric nostrum's for Welcome back to the show that has found a good home for all the leftovers in its refrigerator. This is the Predcast brought to you by Lion's Own Internet Marketing Solutions and on the 4check.com. He's Chris Link. He's John Garcia. I'm Dan Bradley. You know, before we dive into a week of some really bad hockey, let's let's take a minute, hit the reset button. We all got off work, what, pretty early on Wednesday? No, I got off work at 6. Okay. You didn't do anything on Thursday except, you know, see family and eat, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I, I got out of work a little bit early on, on Wednesday, and I just uh, took it nice and easy the rest of the time. What did you do? Okay, so how was your weekends? The four-day weekend? Yeah, the four-day weekend. My four-day weekend was just sublime. I realized when I was coming over here that I was in such a deep state of relaxation these past couple of days. I like I was like, oh, I when did I spend this money? I think I have $100 in one of my jacket pockets, but I don't know why or where. Just everything has been perfect. How was your weekend sublime? I know mine similar, but what did you do? Family, friends. Yeah. My girlfriend and I killed an entire season of How I Met Your Mother in one day. That's very doable, though. Yeah. Also, I'm excited that we're not going to have scoliosis now because of our mic stands. Yeah, we uh, we made a little uh, purchase and now have these like really cool like mechanical arm sets instead of everything leaning over a table. So hopefully, maybe our body language sounds better on 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 the show. Yeah. Um. I let's see. I actually had a I had my Thanksgiving with uh, Jason Zito and his wife, and that was a lot of fun. We went to Cracker Barrel, waited two hours, and it was awesome. Um, the apple streusel pie, those was, was worth it. Mm. Um, did you guys do any shopping? No. Uh, I actually, I bought a vacuum at Lowe's on Saturday. That's something that you need. That's yeah, a good, that's, that's a good purchase. Well, I needed a vacuum yeah. badly, a new one. And so that was pretty exciting. I went to uh, Walmart and just to walk around just to see what all they have there. Cause some of the stuff they don't advertise cause every store is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I needed a beer trimmer and I wanted a mattress pad and I walked out. I didn't even know they were on sale. I got a nice, like new Norelco beer trimmer and a three-inch memory foam mattress pad for like 50 bucks total. Oh, cool. Yeah, doesn't suck. Wow, values. Yeah. Yeah. Predcast bringing you the values. I went to Knoxville on um, on Friday night, came back today, and um, there. I, this was a little bit frustrating. So I, I didn't, um, I applied for my credentials for the Vanderbilt-Tennessee game about 
about two months ago. Like I was well out in well out in front of this, and I never heard back. So I'm like, well, screw it. It's the last game of the year. I want to be there. I want to be there for the show that I do. I went ahead and bought tickets. So went and bought a seat that was you know like upper level and, and everything. I don't hear back from the media relations folks until, and I'm not even making this up. The Uber guy is picking me up from the Walmart parking lot uh, just west of Knoxville because I needed a place to leave my car. Um, I don't get an email until, Hey, Dan Bradley, your credentials have been approved. And you hear, Oh, we also have a parking pass for you. Oh, Oh, huh. Oh, so long story short, I end up, um, I don't end up selling the tickets because I didn't know like if I'd be able to see the game where I was at, but I was on the field for the entire game and that was cool. They have like a, if you're ever watching a game in Knoxville, there's a, um, like in the top left corner of the screen, there's like the Stokely family media center. And it's this giant media room where, so all the photographers hang out free food. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, all stuff's taken care of. It's also where the uh, coach's press conference happens. So, but there's like a, like these big, uh, wrought iron gates that I kept going in and out of so I can go on the field. I can, you can stand like the white dash lines so you can, you know, you can get there and take pictures. You can rub elbows with the players practically. And it was really fun. I, I can't say I've done that before. I don't know if I'll be able to do that again, but, um, there was like the guy from the Winchester paper that I, that I kind of hung around for most of the day. Yeah. It's a really fun experience. I know. Uh, so I worked in Elkhart, Indiana and the big football team there is Notre Dame. Uh, cause it's just right outside South Bend. So I got to shoot a couple of North, uh, Notre Dame games, but they lock in down everything like crazy. Like you can only stay on like the, basically end zone sides and maybe for about like 10 yards before the end zone every place where the players are, are totally off limits. But they also, since Notre Dame has a contract with NBC, you could be standing somewhere with like four photographers with you on either side. And if an NBC camera guy comes up and stands in front of your shot, they're allowed to do that because they get first priority. Um, but same thing. They've got the huge like press box with like a, a you know, floor to ceiling glass windows that like the writers hang up on there's like five levels of that and then you know pizza and everything like that and i almost ran over doug flutie one time well that's not hard to do duke doug flutie is like about as tall as my kindle here Hmm. yeah Uh, this was like on the field level so there's like the big press boxes that are on either side of the stadium Mm -hmm. that are like you know and like next to heaven so um i had no idea all that was back there that's pretty cool yeah of course they hide you in notre dame because it's a it's just a cement tombstone basically that catches all the wind. So it's just a wind tunnels when, you know, it's a nine degrees outside with a wind chill of negative 15. So all the writers get to stay up warm and cozy in the press box while us low key photographers have to suffer. So that stadium really is like just a metaphor for Catholicism then. Yeah. Pretty oh, much. Minus the, uh, minus the shame. I don't know. It's Notre Dame. Uh, no, oh, they are good again. They didn't install lights up until recently. Like, there were no floodlights so they can play night games up until, like, within recent memory. Did they just light candles? No, they just didn't they just play night games. in the afternoon. Because, you know, you want, you, people need to be able to drive home and, and have dinner at Morton's in Chicago from the game. Otherwise, the I didn't know the, I didn't know all these rituals. Yeah. And neither do I, really. All right, well, let's address the elephant in the room. Um, do we have to? I guess. Uh, let's let's start with the worst of the worst. Uh, 
we caught the tail end of the losing streak. The Predators lose 3 nothing to the New York Rangers, a game where they outshot, outplayed, outchanced the Rangers, and still lost 3 nothing. I this think was the same game where they, they moved their lines back to where you had um, Ribeiro beside Neal and, um, and Ribeiro beside Neal and uh, Forsberg. You had Fisher with Smith and Wilson. And it they did a lot of stuff that was right, but this was like the epitome of a slump game. Didn't we call this at at the tail end of last uh, episode? We said that they were going to lose that game because Henrik Lundqvist was not going to let anything past him. Guy's a little bit ridiculous this season. He's always been good, but his team played so badly in front of him that he just bailed them out long enough for them to score. And they've been doing that all season, which is bizarre. I saw a tweet a couple of weeks ago where it compared the... uh, Flames from last season, the Avalanche from the season before that, and the Maple Leafs from the season before that, as far as like their PDO when they ended the season. And they're all like, you know, 102, 103. Uh, New York's at 107 right now, which, I mean, I think that we can honestly say they'd probably be a little higher just because Henrik Lundqvist is so good and he's going to have that save percentage. But the way what they're doing right now is incredible and they also have plenty of guys on that team that can shoot too mm-hmm. they know how to know how to cash in a breakaway like uh, i don't know rick nash zuccarello is doing yeah. a pretty good job of that this year too I, yeah. I was completely wrong on zuccarello in that contract by the way like that's that's actually a pretty smart contract and one thing people i think discount about the rangers a little bit is that i think they have more shooting talents than t- shooting talent that's really been shown uh you know because they are getting enough goals but they're, they're leaning so heavily on lundquist i think that even when they balance out a little bit, they'll still be a really scary team. It's just the, it, the hope is that, well, the hope for Rangers fans, I imagine, is that by the time they reach that point, you know, the defense got themselves a little straightened out and Lundqvist isn't absolutely gassed. Well, and you can look at the Montreal Canadiens from last year for the same exact thing. I mean, Carey Price was pretty much exactly doing what Henrik Lundqvist is doing right now. Uh, and the team was still an awful possession team and they made it to the uh, second round of the playoffs. And, now look at where they are this season. They're one of the best teams in the NHL. So, I mean, I think you absolutely you can look at it two ways, whereas either they're going to crash and burn or they're still winning, and then once they get on the roll, the rest of the team catches up to Lundquist. They're going to be a hell of a team to catch. Yeah. What do you guys think about the um, Ribeiro, Forsberg, and Neil line getting back together? And, like, they they did everything they were asked to do, and with the exception of Ribeiro getting a misconduct, that was one of the best games he's had this year. Mm-hmm. But he did get that misconduct. Yeah, well, that's that was that's inevitability. He gets several every year. Uh, though I, that line is is been proven all last season to be the best line, and it didn't really bear you know goals in the game against the Rangers, but it was productive. I mean, there there really wasn't a line for the Predators that was not productive in terms of driving play and trying to create shots and trying to create chances. Uh, I mean, granted, I think the like the high danger scoring chances were actually pretty even. So it just tells you that they were scoring. They were getting a lot of shots. But they still aren't really fantastic, like yeah, or high danger shots. Or the Rangers are getting breakaways. Yeah, well, yeah. that's, that's kind of the, how the they li- play. yeah the list of the Predators having their dominant play and then having one or two such just mental breakdowns on defense and not marking a man or something is been it's, a theme. It, yeah, it's been happening what two or three times every game at least. Yeah, um, yeah. But also, uh, I was looking at the shot chart from the Rangers game, and a lot of them were. They had a couple of chances in the high danger areas, but a lot of them, New York did a pretty good job of keeping them to the outside. Um, not quite as as well as Minnesota did the game before that, but they still did a pretty good job of, even though they were getting the chances and getting the shots in, they weren't as good as they probably should have been. I think that's fair. 
Um, moving across the state to Buffalo, 3-2 win. Carter Hutton plays, doesn't, uh, with the exception of that one near goal in the first period, or even like the shoulder shrug was there, just like, oh, and then. Here we go again. Here we go again. Feel bad for the guy at that point, but well, not really. Um, they scored actual goals. Mike Fisher scores. Uh, Smith, Wilson both had great games. Um, kind of overdue. I mean, this wasn't like the absolute just domination because the first period belonged to Buffalo, but um, what was your takeaway from this one? I mean, I thought it was a good game against a not-so-great opponent. I mean, they did exactly what they needed to do. Carter Hutton, um, I don't think you could say that he played great, but he played well. I mean, he did exactly what he needed to do uh, in, and he gave his team a chance to win, uh, and they finally scored that goal that they've been looking for for a thousand years. Yeah, I I think they they played okay up until the end enough to to give themselves a very clear win. Uh, you know the the Kane goal. There's a, I think a couple of people to blame for that. I mean Hutton really has little excuse for not getting at least a piece of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, there were three natural players in front of Kane. No one moved to close him off even a little bit. They gave him all the space he needed. He could do. He could taken whatever shot he wanted. He could have passed. He could done a drop. He could do anything. And it just so happened he, he fired a great shot and Hutton was not set properly. Uh, I think maybe even Hutton was a little caught off guard. He didn't think he was going to shoot it from that far out. And that's a dangerous game to play. Plus, he's a Vander Kane. He doesn't suck. Yeah. Uh, and then, man, that Eichel goal, that kid. He's good. Because okay. I kept watching the video trying to figure out, okay, well, who's supposed to be covering him? And I'm like, well, maybe they're not covering him because he's in such a, a weird shooting position. I mean, he was in a, in a spot where during the all-star game, like the talent competitions, that's like where they put the best shooter to try to get that really tight angle down by the goal line. And he's there, and he just, great pass, gets it home. Well, he shot it, and the puck actually ricocheted off of uh, Hutton's pad and went in. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it was such a kind of a low-danger area that it kind of made sense that it would cover him. But it's always a little dangerous to leave a guy uncovered, especially a guy like Eichel. So I wasn't happy with how the team ended the game. I thought... They had an okay game, and they ended very badly. And they were a little fortunate to get the win out of that one. Yeah, Kelly Yarncroke had, well, I think, one of the better hustle plays you're going to see all year long. That kid's middle name is Hustle. Mm-hmm. I love that play. Uh, kind of, he, didn't get, he didn't even get an assist on that, did he? I don't think he did. No, because he passed it, and then... You know, yeah, it's, uh, no, he did, because he shot it, and then it bounced off of uh, of uh, uh, Omar, mm-hmm. and then Bork got the goal, and... Nope. Uh, no, I'm, no, yeah, that's, I'm sorry. That's that's what I was going to say. He he got the puck. That's what I was trying to say. Backwards passed it to Hodgson, who went in for the score. I'm pretty sure that he got an assist on that one. I hope so. He earned that one. All right. Go down to Philadelphia. Overtime loss against the Flyers. Uh, let's start in the overtime period. The too many men penalty. Do you have any opinion on that one one way or the other? Blatant. You're, you're a professional hockey team. Why are you taking too many men penalty? There's only three men on the ice. No one's going to miss that. Not only that, there was because I mean there was five guys on the ice I when mean, they got called. I just I hate too many men on the ice penalties. There's there's two kinds. There's there's the kinds that should never happen, and the kinds where someone on the other team makes a really smart play and just gets the puck into the wrong into the right spot to draw that penalty, and that's really hard to do because a lot of some refs won't even call that because it, it's a little bit gamesman gamesmanshipy. Uh, but overtime, it's taking that penalty it's just it's disappointing wasn't it last year that like the very like the first half of the year they were the preds were getting called for that all the time yeah they, i think it was last year right around this time is there kind of like they were getting used to Livulet's system and we're getting used to you know who to come on who to come off my biggest gripe was the third period 
there was not that push. And it happened in like the last like five to eight minutes. You started seeing it. Mm-hmm. But there was no desperation in the third period when they're down two to one. They played flat for most of the game, I thought. Like you, you watched it, and the shot counters for each of the teams were uh, were very even. No one was really coming ahead, I thought. And it looked like they were playing the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, it just looked like a very sleepy game. Yeah, and I and, and the Flyers are getting a little bit of enthusiasm and steam behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, Gosta Bear has, uh, of course, been been big on that. Med- Medvedev came back in this game, uh, and he's been he's kind of been an element of stability for the for for the Flyers in the uh, the blue line. So a lot of pieces that could give that could provide Philadelphia the means to kind of launch off of and and had a little bit more offense diversity were also really coming into play in in very good ways. And so going in, I thought it was going to be a really easy game for the Predators. I thought they should definitely win this with, with how they can push people around offensively when they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of ran into a Flyers team that's got, actually got a, an ounce of confidence behind them, which is which can be a little bit scary when a Philadelphia team gets confidence in them. Take a minute to talk about that. Uh, how happy are you with um, Hextall? I I think Hextall has been phenomenal. Uh, he, he's, got a little crit- he's got a lot of criticism from all over the place, but he's playing a long game. Uh, he isn't, I, don't, I don't think he expects the team to be competitive for two to three years because they're going to have a whole host of just fantastic defensive prospects coming up. I mean, uh, I, I'm going to forever pronounce his name incorrectly, or I'm just going to say Ghost Bear. Uh, Ghost. He's, been, he's been developing really nicely, and, and the Med, Medvedev pickup was fantastic to, to provide some short-term stability. Uh, so, I mean, I've been really excited. His drafting's been better. His man management's been better. The bad contracts aren't happening like they used to. It get it, it gets you excited. What about um Hextall, the coach? Oh, did you say Hextall? I, or I Hextall? Reali- well, I realized that you know what I said Hextall, and I'm like, that sound it could go either way. I'll just see which way he takes it. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, it's tough because he's coming in and, and taking over a team that everyone knows was gonna be mediocre. Uh I think he's been okay. I think uh next season's gonna be the time to judge him. This is a coach that even if the Flyers have a disastrous season is immune because he's not he's he's supposed to be instilling a new culture in the team and a new way of playing hockey, uh, bringing some of that that college influence a little bit open free flow, uh, a little bit more talent oriented than the broad street bully of the past that Philadelphia is finally that's the greatest thing about Hexel you wouldn't expect it but he's pushing the team beyond that and he's infamous for being a, a hack and slash goaltender so it's it's really cool to see this new evolution I hope Hextall, uh really pulls things together, but it's going to be hard to say until next season. All right. There's your, there's your Flyers partial insight. Well, I mean, I kind of know what I was signing up for there. Yeah, you uh, did. Saturday, uh, gold bucket night uh, against Buffalo, losing 4-1. to one. Um, How angry are you about this, John? Uh, how angry were you about this when you were watching this? Uh, I don't have a easy answer for that because they should have won that game they should have won against the Flyers also um, but at the same time when you had Saros in net for his first NHL start you're kind of looking at you don't know what you're going to get there but the team in front of them definitely should have played better and when they when Arvidsson got that major penalty and they scored twice on that you just knew like they're, they're not coming back from this yeah I, I was a little nervous about Saros it caught me off guard uh, it just, you know, it's not something that, that stuck out to me. Oh, they're going to call up Saros and not going to play Pekka. Typically, even if you don't want to play your backup or your starter back-to-back, 
you still might do it in case of an injury to, to, to your back of goaltender. I thought Saros looked really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, his positioning is just fantastic. He reads the play so well. He's got a degree of athleticism, so if he needs to scramble, he can. Uh, but yeah, it was that, that major penalty sunk the Predators. Uh, and and the, the goals that were scored in that, they were they were you know either defensive mistakes or just the goals that happen on power plays where you you get outmanned by that extra player. And this is it's kind of funny too because earlier in the season when Milwaukee got off to kind of a rocky start, um, I remember hearing that a lot of the games that Saros was playing in, even though he was getting scored on a ton, it was the penalty killers that were giving up most of the goals to him, and he was doing fine there. And it kind of looked like he lost his confidence a little bit once he let those uh, two two goals in, which, you know, for a kid who's playing in his first NHL game in his first year in North America, I mean, I think that, I guess that's kind of to be expected. He was throwing the wolves a little bit, um, but I, I I can't wait to see him again, to be honest, because yeah. he's exciting to watch. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's another Finnish goaltender. Finnish goaltenders have a great reputation. He's got. He's getting spent time with Pekka. He's, uh, despite his size, he's just in the right spot. He does what needs to be done. He does what he needs to do. He corrals the puck well, and I mean, he's 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 the little he's the little bear. He's a little Finnish lapound. I like him. I, I, I'm liking him to kind of a um, like a smaller Jonathan Quick because I love Jonathan Quick's positioning. I know I, you guys aren't huge Jonathan Quick fans. I like Quick. Okay, fine. I, like him. I don't have like he's not the greatest goaltender in the I world. Mean, in my opinion, he's entirely adequate. Yeah, he's a. Perfectly, he's, so, he's so adequate. <laughs> yeah. And he has a consmith. Yeah, he's probably overpaid a little bit. Yeah. I, well, of course. Yeah, he's won two Stanley Cups. I think he can, be, he can kind of justify it a little bit. Um, it's not like there was a good team in front of him. No, of course. No, no. Well, you, well, he did drag that first team kicking and screaming into the playoffs. That seems to be the way the Kings do things. They kind of f- throw a fits until they get into the playoffs, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're a hockey team now. Dustin Brown, you can resume, you can resume playing hockey now. <laughs> We did put it out on Twitter earlier today, uh, right after the Titans game, so we made sure we had everybody's full attention to um, see if they had any questions. And Twitter came pretty strong. Um, a lot of good questions. Going to take a going to take a moment here to say thanks for all of them. We're going to get through uh, get through most of what we can here. Jason writes in: No longer an if. So when do you think Nashville pulls the trigger on a trade? What size trade? What kind of trade? I mean, what do you what are the what are you talking about? That's that's kind of yeah. there's a lot of opening there, um, and and I don't know, uh, we didn't go through the full itinerary for the show, so I don't want to jump ahead of anything. No, go for it. Uh, but you know this this relates to a question that someone sent to me, um, saying and, and I John John and I were talking about this a little bit before the show, but the Predators need, I think everyone agrees, the world agrees, every NHL team agrees, period. The Predators need a for, first line center, a true first line center to do things. Um, there's only a limited number of assets you can trade to, to make that happen. Uh, you know, the, uh, the nice thing is my stance and, and the person asked the question had the same thing was, uh, you know, I think Shea Weber is a great thing to try to move if you can convince someone to take that contract. So is that the kind of move this, this person is talking about? Like, eight, like we're going to we're gonna move blue chip, we're gonna, or not blue chip, we're going to move established elite players to swap, sweeten the deal whichever way. Is that something that we ever see? That'll be something that's a summer deal. Yeah, those very rarely happen in the middle of the season. And even nowadays at the trade deadline, like those type of blockbuster trades just don't really happen anymore. Maybe um, they need to. I yeah, and they I mean they just they need to make a deal sooner rather than later. If I mean you wrote a fantastic article about it uh this uh 
this weekend um, that we'll still promote a little bit more. But yeah, that I mean, thing they doesn't, need just just to kind of just uh, off the off the cuff here. Mm-hmm. That thing does not need to be moved from the like the, the front page of the site until, until they, they do, it. do it. Yeah. Yes, I'm Absolutely. dead serious because they're not going to win anything unless they do something about this. Yeah, and for those who don't know, it was uh, just an article saying that they have to trade for number one center in order to win anything, and that's what needs to happen. And you mentioned you don't know what's taking David Poyle so long. Just bite the bullet, get your assets that you have yeah. out of there for something that's going See, to help your team it's, win. It's going to hurt. To get a number one center, to get the player you want, it's going to hurt. So you might as well just get it done. Yeah, but what's going to hurt more, getting out some players that you really like or being mediocre and not winning a lot of hockey games? Or not, even, or even being worse than mediocre? being just good enough to make the playoffs but never enough to win anything so gradually your farm system gets less and less and less potent Mm -hmm. because that's what happened to this team years and years of slightly being of being above average that's the reason why Nashville doesn't have him doesn't have a number one center Mm -hmm. they were never bad enough to really to get that caliber of player yeah so if you get lucky enough to have a tradable asset who happens to be considered elite multiple I mean even just having like multiple potential assets that could be elite I mean, there's a reason why I make this analogy a lot that the uh, Amazon stock is always going to be pretty high because they're barely turning a profit. So when they finally reach their potential, their stock's going to be ridiculously like a, a huge commodity. Mm-hmm. So people still buy it based on potential. So I think they buy because the Amazon Web Services as well. Yeah, which is how they make money. Oh, they're 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 doing a lot of a lot of really cool things. Um, by the way, those uh, fifty dollar Kindles you can buy at Best Buy. You can go and, like, the reason why it's $50 is that you would, if it has uh, ads that display on it all the time, like, whenever you have a screensaver on. So, in order to get the ads off, you pay an extra 15 bucks to get it unlocked. Yeah. I'm a, as, as a, as a uh, Paperwhite user, Kindle mm-hmm. Paperwhite user, yeah, I, I'll, I'll usually buy them off, Cra- off of, like, Craigslist, mm-hmm. and then I just pay the money to get the ads removed because the ads are never applicable. Mm. Yeah. Don't really, I don't really care about, you know, what kind of shampoo I'm really Well, doing. I typically don't. And then they start giving me ads. I'm just like, no, I'm not having this. Yeah, we will not. We will Still not have these ads. Awesome little machine, though. Richard Lawson writes in: If it were up to you, how would you set up the four lines? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. I'll uh, while you guys are doing this, I'll go ahead and just lay my out, lay mine out the way so you guys can have some time to to whip out the the charcoal and, and tablet and get that done. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta have uh, you gotta have Neil and Forsberg on the top line. Um, that's just kind of a reality with it. Why not? Um, I mean, Ribeiro to start with, but if it doesn't work, I would swap. I would just do a direct swap with Yarncroke if that doesn't work. And if that also, uh, Wilson kind of has a contingency plan for the third line as well because Wilson and Ribeiro together, very good chemistry. And I've got some numbers we'll go over a little bit later on for that. Second line to start with would be the standard Wilson, Fisher, Smith. Third line, uh, why not have Bork, Yarncroke, and Hodgson? That seems to be working. Fourth line, hmm, that's where it gets tough. Uh, Gostad or Sissons. I personally like Sissons a little bit better. I like Kaiser and Skate. Um, I would also be a fan of uh, Salamaki and uh, Watson being together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't... Uh, I, I liked that fourth line when all the young kids were on that. I mean, was, I think we talked about it because, I mean, Bork, it was Sissons, Bork, Sissons, uh, and Watson, Watson Bork, Sissons, on Watson. there. I just wrote that down right Fantastic. Here fantastic fourth line. And then you could have your third line of... Um, Salamaki, Yarncroke, Hodson, and then have the top six, you know, Neil, Forsberg, Ribeiro, and then Fisher, Smith, Wilson. I think that'd be... And then keep the D-lines the same because the defense is working just fine. Yeah, that's pretty standard. I mean, I wouldn't mind uh, 
rolling Wilson out of the third line, dropping Hodgson, maybe? Maybe dropping... I like mean, off, Hodgson, off Hodgson Wilson... No, well, I mean, not off the team. He could stay he's in the press box. But basically, it's more of having Wilson and Hodgson like have to fight for ice time every night. Like they have to literally, literally, like they have to wrap their hands in hockey tape and fight on the the crest before every game. So what about Arvidsson? Um, and then play Arvidsson um, just in the top six. Let let him just shoot a whole bunch. Have some fun. I I don't see I don't see um, Arvidsson making the team to start the or going forward on this. Not this year, at least. I want to. But Remember, I, I, I I'm, in, I'm all in for the entertainment factor. Yeah, I, I, I do watch Arvidsson. I do like watching Arvidsson play because he shoots the puck like an anime character. Just like he winds up, his hair turns blue. You know, says his catchphrase, and then he, and you see the little things go across his eyes. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Why don't, why don't you want that out there every night playing top six minutes? Right, cause I do because the shot's like eighty four miles an hour, and it's you know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well that, it's those slow shots that can that can curve on you. Arvidsson has deployed changeup. It's not very effective. Arvidsson would be a Pokemon. John Cotwright, uh, longtime listener, Jack Mack writes in, we know the Preds defensemen can score, but are they overrated when it comes to straight-up defense? I don't think so. They've been doing a pretty good job of limiting the amount of shots that Pecorino has been facing. Um, I, like When I was looking at the uh, last eight, probably now ten games, um, they were only at, at fives when Pekka was in the net, allowing like 21 shots per 60 minutes. Um, again, that's, that's at even good. strength. That's pretty good. And then this is a whole other monster to get into. Pekka Rene was not saving many of those shots. Um, but I would say where they're at right now, are they the best decor in the NHL? I guess you could argue about that a little bit with a couple of other teams. But I mean, I still think that they're pretty good. If they're not overrated, they're definitely just rated. Yeah, I think right. We we've seen a lot of uh, standout mental mistakes lately, and that might come down to some shots you might expect to be saved aren't getting saved. Uh, but there's, I I could just you can go through all the goals scored against the Predators in the past four games this this last week, and you can really see like okay, well, you can it's very easy to say okay that was a, just a good effort by the other team or here's the here's the mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think of um like the Michael Delzato goal where uh, Weber had kind of like didn't really pinch in but he went for a hit in the flyers offensive in the flyers zone and i mean he whatever stopped the guy but the guy had already passed the puck and so does auto is now streaking and there's no coverage nystrom's guy is back to the play and doesn't notice does auto's even coming in until way too and, and yossi's of course covering his his zone mm-hmm. so nystrom doesn't know there's anyone behind him He's looking to see what Yossi's doing and is not because he's not a defenseman. He's a forward. He's not thinking about the play that way. And Weber is in the flyer zone still. And then there's a goal score. I mean, that when you're playing it, when you, the, the, the Predators should know what Michael Zell is capable of for no other reason than he played with the team for a while, for half a season. You right. think you'd know him. He wants to jump into the play. He wants to enter. He wants to take a strong entry. He wants to take shots. He was a Norris candidate for that reason right there. Yeah. And so you take a man out of the play who's not trying to actually exit the zone. He's trying to get the puck to someone who's exiting the zone. And it's just, it was, it's, it's things like that. But you see that top to bottom for Nashville right now. You see those little mental mistakes and, and you see forwards get caught in positions uh, where they have to play defensemen. And that, I mean, it's just, it's a different role and they don't always make the right decision. And that's, that's something you have to understand. Could you argue though, that because of the system that they play where the D tries to be more aggressive and the forwards are trying to go all out and get shots on net, that those 
defensive lapses are going to happen from time to time. I, they are, but it, it means that you know as a forward, especially a guy like Nystrom, who is supposed to be a fourth-line defensive two-way style forward, you have to know and be aware of your defensive zone responsibilities. Yeah, that's a conversation in and of itself that I don't know if we want to get into right now or not. I uh, got a, let's see, I'm going to merge two into one here. Patrick writes in, are the Predators as mediocre as they've looked the last three weeks? Virgil writes in, with only 10 regulation overtime wins in 23 games and a negative one goal differential, are the Predators any better than a 500 team? So two questions there, kind of calling the Predators on the carpet for being a little bit around mediocre. Uh, are we buying that? Are we buying this is kind of more of like a, just a bad spell they're going to work through? Or where we come out on this? See, my gut tells me that they're not, as bad as they're playing right now, and they're not as mediocre. I think that they still are a good team. Um, but you look at what was going on at the end of last season, and that kind of is carrying over to where now, how many games has it been where they've just playing this blah type of hockey where it doesn't look like they're invested in the game all that much? Um I don't think so. I think that they are going to turn it around. I think that they're going to be a playoff team, and I think that they are well above a 500 team. But again, it goes back to those pieces that they're missing to be that truly, truly good team. And, and I think there's there's one thing we have to really think about, and that is that three-game goal is streak. That has that doesn't really happen. It, mm-hmm. I mean, they were looking at they were scratching on the record book at that point. I mean. You teams, don't expect it to happen again. And all the teams that were above them on that were lottery teams. And and some of them were decades and decades ago. Historically bad teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that tells you that you have to sort of pull those three games out, even though that's worth six points in the standings. You have to pull them out of looking at this stretch. And then if you especially if you look at this week, all of a sudden it goes from it goes down to like one, one and one, which is fine it's a it, it just tells you had a rough week probably a back-to-back in there which they did yeah and, and I, again i think we talked how that rangers loss looks worse you know it was against a really good team as far as in the standings go um that's what henrik lundquist is going to do to you and i think it's looking at the three games against you know the two against buffalo and the one against philadelphia where it feels like there should have been way more of an effort put out than what actually yeah, was. Yeah, and I was disappointed what I saw, and I expect to see more from the team. I know they're capable of more. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. We've uh, seen it this season, but too. I, yeah, I, I... No, definitely. Uh, I just think that there's, they're working through, uh, I think, the mental difficulties of that three-game goal streak. That was probably harder on the team than we would know on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then coming out of that and having kind of a shaky win against Buffalo helped... Uh, the Philadelphia game should have gone better, and then the other Buffalo game was just, you know, uh, really was that turning point. Like John pointed out earlier, it was that Arvidsson major that threw the whole thing. And I think what, and then we had Ribeiro, of course, get tossed for two game misconducts. I think through the course of this week, which is exactly what I said was going to happen. Yeah. And lo and behold, it happened again. It was two in a row, I think. Right? It was. Yeah. The, the guy has no control over himself. Of all the things that Mike Ribeiro does that you know people don't like, the getting misconics doesn't upset me as much as some other some people it does. Well, the, we we we've watched the NHL. What was the the series that ran before the Winter Classic? Twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. Thank you. The twenty four seven series. We have seen thing, players mic'd up. We've been to practices. We know how they talk to each other and how they talk to refs. If you say something so vile that they are going to chuck you off the ice, 
that says I think that says a lot about someone's character. Well, I think and it, it also, does bother. It does bother me because I want to have at least like I know these hockey players are not saints. They do probably a lot of stuff that may make other people uncomfortable or, or, or things that that um, certainly their local pastor would not approve of. <laughs> uh, but if you're getting thrown off the ice for just saying stuff, that's going to be some pretty off the wall insane. Do you stuff. think? It, do you think also that just that's like everyone knows it's Mike Ribeiro and. Well, yeah, looking for that. I, I was about to say, just it's a reputation thing. Because I mean, look, go back every season in his entire career; it happens all the time. But the thing is, yeah, it happens all the time through his career. It's it's a reputation thing because he constantly does it. So it's it's cyclical. Yeah, and it's kind of like a self fulfilling profi- yeah, prophecy. Yes, self fulfilling prophecy. Where I'm not sure that he's probably saying the you know most disgusting, horrible, you know, cursing out the refs type of thing. But I'm sure it's something like when he starts getting going, the refs are like, "We're not dealing with this again. Get out of here." Yeah. Done. So and he should be aware of that. He should be self aware enough to know that he's if he does that, he's going to be held liable mm-hmm. for it, and he's going to hurt his team. And he did it twice. And I, I this is this is me retreading Ribeiro Grant over and over again. Everyone very, knows very much how I feel about him, so I'll just uh, leave it at that. No, you're, I mean, you're, you're not alone there. Mm-hmm. Um, last question. Oh, let me. I just lost you, Senate It was a really good one, too. It's about Colton Sissons. So everyone everyone just immediately perked up whenever we said Colton Sissons around Let here. me get my flag out. Hang on. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Smith writes in, also, why isn't Sissons a full-time NHLer yet? He had some other questions about NFL. I'm going to disregard those. Um, <laughs> he's asking about Joe Flacco being an elite quarterback, and the answer is simple is that, uh, you know, he, why isn't why is he elite or is he elite? Uh, look at his receiving core. And he had big physical receivers. He was very good because he goes, throws a good deep over-the-top ball. Now that he doesn't have those guys, I don't, can't say he's elite quarterback. You know else throws good deep over-the-top ball? Colton Sissons. Yeah, Colton Sissons, absolutely. That's, we sound like John Steiger in Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. You know who does that? Sidney Crosby. <laughs> um, John gets the joke. I'm yeah. glad. Uh, so Colton Sissons, why isn't he a full-time NHL player other than just the roster? Um, that, that's what I was going to say. That That is the yeah, answer. It's like, so give, give me the answer to this question, but don't give me the right answer. <laughs> give me a give different me any, answer. Give me any answer that's not the right answer. Yeah, Paul Gostad's taken a spot that's really as simple as that. I mean, we saw how effective he was as a fourth-line center right now for such a young kid who has not had a whole lot of NHL experience, and he's got a much higher ceiling than anyone else on there right now. And it's just the fact that Paul Gostad signed through the end of this year, um, and then Eric Nystrom signed for another year and a half after this, so that even if they wanted to move him to the wing for whatever reason, that then you've still got that albatross of a contract of nice room right there gumming up those works sorry i'm just breathing angrily in the microphone here's a kind of an addendum to that oh given how well Sissons has played would either of you be okay if they did decide to move gostad at the deadline as part of a throw-in piece for maybe getting someone else absolutely i don't think anyone could move gostad he's pretty big uh, they can move him in pieces though that's well he, he his shoulder does separate easily <laughs> he's like a he's like a crash test dummy if you hit him right. Um, that's that's that joke Oof. about five people are gonna get. Yeah, mm. I got it. Thanks, buddy. Pop head right off. Fantastic. Yeah. Those things were so much fun. Remember the oh. TV show? Oh yeah, I was a huge with fan. the one episode. Fan. Yeah, <laughs> I had a DVD or something. Really? Or it was VHS. Yeah. I mean, it was VHS tape. Uh, I remember it was on. It was on like Fox or something like that. They aired it one time. It was on a Saturday or a Sunday, and then I got so mad when they I was like, nope, that was. The, the apparently, apparently exploding people was not something that parents want on television. No. Well, we got more of it now. Uh, last question comes from Al Gross, and he just writes in stall with a question mark. I mean, I, for I, time? Could it be? Or, no, S-T-A-A-L. No, 
Um, he could be talking about Jordan. Could be Mark. talking about Mark. Uh, Jared Stahl. Oh, Jared Stahl. Jared Stahl. Isn't yeah. he also in the Carolina organization as well? Yeah. Not not Jared Stoll, but Jared Stahl. Yes. I think that's about it. What, um, what about them? Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll... I'll the, the easy answer to this is that uh, Eric Stahl is one of those in case of emergency break glass moves that's going to happen in February that if they haven't addressed their problem and if the team still sucks and if at bars generating goals and if Carolina sucks, then they'll make that I mean, move. It's easy to break this down though by Stahl. Mm-hmm. Eric Stahl, getting kind of old, not that good anymore, expensive. Jordan Stahl has not been good really that good since he left Pittsburgh. Also expensive. And Mark Stahl is not leaving New York. No, he's the solid number and, three. And Jared Stahl is not even uh, good. presumably... A person playing hockey? Is yeah, he playing he, hockey somewhere? He's a person. Yeah, he's an actual human being. He has a well, birth, I didn't say birth he certificate a and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Probably got a social security card. <laughs> Probably. We should hope. I don't know. He's from Canada. No, they have like EI, whatever it's called. E- oh, McDonald card? No. We said EI. <laughs> like employment insurance. EIO. Yeah. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the effects that a first-line center actually has on a marginal, I'd say about above our marginal player. Also, five tough questions. You're listening to the Predcast, brought to you by LionZone Internet Marketing Solutions. These days, you need a partner current in latest website design standards, one that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since Welcome back in. We're going to start the second half half of this show off with um, a bit of news here. Victor Barley waved today. And um, a bit surprised by this. Victor Barley, we, I think we all agree, is a bit better than Anthony Boteto. Uh This comes after they uh, claim Granberg from Toronto. What's his name again, Link? Granberg. There we go. Uh, after they claim Granberg from Toronto, both uh, Boteto and Granberg are right-handed. Uh, Victor Barley was the extra defenseman that was left-handed. So... Doing the math there, with Bartley's on his way out. Um, first off, I mean Victor Bartley, we all think's better than Batetto, right? As a whole, I mean, in much the same way that Golden Corral, the fried shrimp is a safer bet than the fresh shrimp with the cock- shrimp cocktail. That's sort of my stance on it. That's perfect. <laughs> That's wow. We can shut the whole show down after that. That was great. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think. That I I don't I I don't can't even form a thought after that. That was just yeah, wow. I'm like wow. <laughs> I, I fully expected him to like sit, compare Golden Corral to like Ponderosa or something. <laughs> Ponderosa, wow, deep cuts. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to a Ponderosa. Don't. 
Okay. I mean, if they want to sponsor the show, I'll <laughs> reverse my stance, but I really don't see them either A, having the money to do that, or B, <laughs> or B, actually looking You can't at afford that. us. I, w- I would actually love if O'Charlie sponsored our show just because I would trash them every week and see how long they would keep sponsoring us. I actually like O'Charlie's. I mean, that's weird. I just, I'm sorry. I, you, 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 like, they show this picture. Oh, it's a little steak, and it's a pile of broccoli, and you want me to pay $10 for it? You're kidding, right? And it's, it's not micro- happening. It's microwaved, too. Yeah, it's not happening. It's it's a it's a joke. I mean, the moment that we start saying bad stuff about Logan's is where I'm probably going to I have it. never been to a Logan's. Okay, good. All right, good. But didn't they used to let you eat peanuts and throw the shells they on the floor? They still do. Ah, that's seriously how long I've been there. Oh, well, I grew up in a family with several who had nut allergies, so that's probably why I've never been to a Logan's. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they just have peanuts just like in open buckets, and it's awesome. That's the only time I go to Logan's for my birthday because I have to have an excuse to go to Logan's. You know who has an excuse to go to Logan's? Whom? Victor Bartley. Victor Bartley. Yeah, he does because now he's not. He's on his way back to Milwaukee, or actually, he's just kind of probably sitting around his condo waiting for the waiting for the phone call. Um, which he could probably do that at Logan's too. He's gotten sad all of a sudden. Yeah, well, I really like Victor sad. Bartley a whole lot. He's oh, a good, he's, he's, he's a, a good guy. Really good guy. Serviceable extra defenseman. Um, he is the he is the seventh defenseman. Yeah, that yeah. is like, like his, that's official title and this goes back to why have they been carrying eight defensemen all year i mean i still don't oh, just because they don't want to do his potato they can't send him down yeah I, not like i was gonna grab him. I, yeah i was gonna say is, is is he really a big piece to lose for them if they happen to wa- wave him i mean i don't think that his ceiling is really that high i mean unless they're looking to move another right-handed defenseman in which case they need to make sure they have plenty of right-handed defensemen that's what i'm thinking Ooh. that's what I'm, that's what i'm thinking with i mean we've I mean, the, the stands at the top of the tree, either your your elite player right now, if you want to swap elite for elite, is, is Weber for somebody. If you mm. want to st- want to swap Don't a... Don't flirt with me, Dan. If you want to swap a, um up-and-coming player that's kind of trying to kick the door down to elite, you swap Jones for somebody. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to build a package, you swap Ryan Ellis and a package for somebody. Mm-hmm. And you could fit Ryan Ellis in a fairly small box and ship him. Probably so. Four ninety five flat rate. Yeah, I mean, if you especially if you have Prime, you know. I think you'll find that. Uh, what flat rate box is for four ninety five? The USPS. small ones. Yeah, the USPS ones. Like like the actual like. Sm- yeah, they're really? I mean they're about like this big. Really, those are four ninety five. I thought those were like seven ninety five. No, they're four ninety five. And if you were to like to really just take apart Gosta like an actual crash test dummy, you could probably <laughs> ship him out for a total of like maybe eighteen dollars. Yeah, that's how. That's about how I value him. So you, that's you good. cannot beat those numbers. <laughs> no, you cannot. I mean, support I'm, your local U.S. Postal Service I'm office. Pretty, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> slash charity fund. I was joking around last year. I'm pretty sure that the Predators have like one of those like Southwest Airlines credit cards where they were because <laughs> they were sending players back and forth to Milwaukee all the time. Stalberg got his miles in. Ooh, Mar- we had Martell on the show uh, last year, right after he went up to Milwaukee, and he was saying about, when he was talking to Stalberg about being waived and being sent down. The, the interview went from just being really happy to like. And his answers were all very short afterwards. Well, yeah, because um, he's got to stay in Milwaukee. No offense to Milwaukee. Milwaukee seems like a pretty cool place compared to like the rest of the upper Midwest. But, you know, it's it's AHL. I mean, the yeah. the pirate ship that's on the ice has a menacing Aldi flag. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm a little afraid of those values. So, it, it You know, it's like one of the number one like like grocery chains in all of Europe, right? I don't know. I have I've had some bad experiences with Aldi in my well, day. Well, who hasn't, man? We've all been broke. I'm like, wow, green beans for like 35 cents. Yeah, okay. I just did the classic way. I just dropped the cans on the ground in Kroger and just kick them. <laughs> Raging capitalist over there. So, just to kind of close the book on Barley, um, do you think he survives waivers? 
I would actually give it, I would say 60-40 in favor of him getting claimed because I think he's got some value. I think he definitely has some value, especially teams that are lacking in defensive depth. I mean, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. uh, Columbus. Colorado could even jump on that train. If you know he's going to be claimed, then why why isn't he part of a trade package? Maybe they tried to get him to be a part of a trade package and no one was biting. There's also, I think there's some time issues because they have Mm -hmm. to clear the space for Granberg. Yeah. Okay, Granberg. Yay. Thank you. I got issues. It's okay. Um, yeah, I think they, they have to... There, is there like a timeline on that? For the, They claimed him... Is he just floating out in space? Well, he's on long-term engine reserve because... Okay, so he, that means that, that tells me he might be coming back. So They, yeah, well, have, they, they said December. Yeah, December, so he, he must be that. coming back and they have to do something. They can't, the, If there is a trade in the works, it's not done yet and so you have to move somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh why you it could be a dollar thing like they they potatoes much che- is much cheaper grant you're talking about maybe like a million bucks or something if that if and that he's not on an elc no, we're, either, we're talking about which, thousands potato, yeah. yeah there's there's several there's a lot of advantages to potato besides his you know talking about off the ice and, and more man management type stuff yeah we all wish victor barley good luck though because chances are he's probably not gonna be playing in nashville but best of luck to him mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, yeah no i, th- I think he, if, if he does get claimed and, and i honestly hope he does uh, he, I think the team that claims him, he's going to be able to step in and really play some some hockey, and I think he'll he'll be much happier for that. On the offensive side, he's got a really smooth pass and um, defensive coverage. He's not great, but chances are he's going to be a bottom pairing defenseman somewhere. So power play specialist, he'll maybe. be playing yeah. protected minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Like Alex Solzer, good example. Uh, Timu Lakso, not so much, but Alex Solzer had a pretty decent career. He played in Vancouver. He couldn't crack the Nashville lineup because it was so stacked, but so the blueprint's already there. Um, and I kept thinking last year where during the uh, playoff series with Chicago, like, man, Chicago could actually use Victor Barley more than Nashville could. Mm. They could also use Alexander Solzer. Probably, yeah. So with all that said, um, that, that, I mean, it, we as soon as they claimed Granberg, we kind of called it like, this is kind of a precursor to something bigger happening because, you know, it, with Botano and everything, we we did go back. I went back there and I made sure we mentioned that. Um, so I did a little bit of uh, knocking around after during the in the comments of the uh, – of the post that I wrote about the Predators, quote, not are not going to win anything unless they address their center issue. This is the effect that a good top-line center will have on a player that has offensive potential, but if he's playing beside guys that aren't puck distributors, it's not going to happen for him. Uh, prime example of this is Nick Felino. Nick Felino has shot over 14% over the last two seasons, and so far this year he's only shooting right around 2%. Um, he's not really playing beside either Dubinsky or um, or Ryan Johansson to start the year. The last two years, he played about half the time with Ryan Johansson. Now, before he, uh, he Nick Foligno just turned 28, so he's not exactly uh, a prospect by any means. He's kind of already, we're already seeing apex Nick Foligno. Like, this is the, as good as Nick Foligno is ever going to be. I, we got, by the way, the people in this in this room right now are so excited we're talking about Nick Foligno. It's amazing. I always think Nick Foligno probably owns a pizza joint, and then it makes him more excited. I always thought it was like a like a seventies like sitcom character that owns a pizza joint. Nick Foligno, yeah. Um, oh, he should be he should be in a in a, like a buddy cop drama or drama buddy cop like comedy with Potato. Yeah, Potato and Foligno. Oh, mm. that, that's pretty good. The last two years, uh, Foligno has played beside Artem Anisimov, uh, Brandon Dubinsky, and Ryan Johansson. During that time. Uh, Nick Foligno has a total of 33 goals, of which 32 were scored while they were, were all one of those three were on the ice. He's taken 225 shots 
where it's for so his shot to his um even strength shooting percentage just around 14 percent when he's being set up by those guys it's 16 percent bit of a difference there now again that's that seems like semantics and not a huge deal if you go back to his time in ottawa uh his most uh common forward he was deployed with was chris neal I, mean, he played, I hear that kid's gonna do big things someday <laughs> I did like for his 700th game that Jordan Tutu, they already agreed they were going to fight so he'd have a Gordie Howe hat trick. Can, Those guys hope, are weird, man. I'm really, I really hope the microphone can pick up my long, exhausted, just oh, it did. sad sigh. Oh, it did. <laughs> it did. Uh, Nick Foligno played over his span, over his uh, last few years in, um, in Ottawa. Played around 2,800 minutes, um, of which he played over 800 minutes with Chris Neal, 24 with Alfie, and... 660 or 24% with Alfie, 23% of it with Mike Fisher. So Nick Foligno during the, during that time had 24 goals. He, when, when he was with Mike Fisher, three, three goals with Mike Fisher. It's almost like Mike Fisher is not a great puck distributor. His shooting percentage beside Mike Fisher was 5%. Five, hmm. 5%. His total during this time was around seven. So a little bit below average. Uh, Jason Spezza, he played beside Spezza for mm, about 239 minutes. Shooting percentage beside Spezza, 10. So when we say that, you know, that there's a big difference between having a top-line center and not having a top-line center, that's a that's a kind of a tip of the iceberg there. You know, just to how much the better quality shots that you're going to have, especially when the guy's a puck distributor. But it, it just organizes your team from the top down where lines are being swapped around all the time and you have a legitimate top line. No one's disagreeing here, right? No. Okay. No, I mean, it is it is known. <laughs> gotcha. Um, looking at all that, uh, I also went a little bit deeper into Colin Wilson's numbers, and a lot of the same stuff popped up. Wilson this year is shooting around 1.5%. Foligno is shooting around 2%, uh, both of which have like 7 and 8 points, respectively. Not great numbers. Also, probably not going to continue, hopefully. With Wilson's case, probably not. Um, Mike Fisher is starting to turn it on. Uh, we've kind of called out Mike Fisher the last two or three episodes. He's starting to answer the bell a bit more. I'll give him I'll give him credit. I think getting back on that line with with uh, Wilson and, and uh, Smith's been good for him. Yeah, I mean, he he was he took advantage of a lot of good rebounds during this this kind of goal scoring streak he's been on. Uh, going through uh, the past, I guess three. Or so he's he's kind of scored in this streak. I mean, two of them were off of he was just in the right place for the right rebound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the kind of goal that he needs to score. I don't really care if he scores pretty shots from anywhere. He just needs to clean up the mess. Yeah, and the line that he was on uh, with Wilson and Smith, at least on the eye test, looked like they were doing great things out there. Like they looked like they were moving fast, getting in the right positions, getting shots that they needed to do. Um, I think I also saw uh, Ellis and Ekholm out there a lot with that line as well, which helps with yeah. that. Um, but so far, so good with those lines. And, I mean, we've seen them have chemistry before. Uh, just, again, Fisher's not the greatest puck distributor, and I don't think that we expect him to be. Uh, but that line can and has had success before. When I look at uh, Wilson's uh, numbers over the last five years with the Predators, the best combination for him to be on the ice with at the same time would be James Neal and Kelly Yarncroke, actually. Uh, Ooh, interesting. Yarn, his uh, shooting oh, yeah, percentage yeah. with Yarncroke on the ice is 
What's the, I mean, how many minutes is that, though? That is 232 minutes, about 5% of the last five years. It's, 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 it's not mean, tiny of a sample It's suggestive. Yeah. It's yeah. suggestive of with, maybe something being With there. Mike Fisher, he's played, uh, now, here's the thing about Wilson, is that there's no player, uh, no forward that he's played more than 25% of the last five years with. The thing with Wilson, and I'm going to go into another. Let's hear it. Another uh, simile here. Wilson is, is a little bit like a pinata. And you, and you beat him with the stick, and then it breaks open, and it's like a bunch of spiders and like a Werther's original. <laughs> and you you just hope every night it's that Werther's original, not the spiders. He didn't have forty points last year. Yeah, it was an, it was a really good candy. I mean, have you had a good? Have you had a Werther's original? They're it's pretty, been a long they're, time. They're pretty good. As someone they're who delicious. goes to Florida quite a bit good. and around old people quite a lot. Uh, well, I they've had a bad reputation, but they're much better than their reputation <laughs> would, would suggest. That's all I'm saying. But also, I, I don't think, like spiders. I, I think that's also a, a testament to move, moving past the Werther's original for a second. Thank I think that's you. a testament of uh, just. Yeah, how most of his coaches just kind of like throw him around everywhere to see if something sticks. Yeah, on, a, on a serious note, to actually comment, and I've talked to this a little bit before, but Wilson is a very different sort of NHL player. I look at him, and, and maybe he wasn't developed really well early in his career, maybe that's why he's, he's the way he is, but he is a play-driving forward, which is not something that's that's really clearly defined. Because uh, he doesn't have, you know, Bergeron I think might be a good comparable. Granted, they're not even on the same, like, planet most of the time because he doesn't have the defensive skill that, that Bergeron has but he drives play even when he's not sharing points he makes things happen he helps other people score points and it's so hard to evaluate right now how to make him fit in a team effectively so he bounces around and he struggles uh, granted I, you know I, I think if he had been able to play at center and actually stayed at his natural position I think he I still to this day think he would have been better off uh, I, I just think thanks it, Barry I, well, I think it, I think it fits his game. I think it fits his vision better. Uh, he would. I think he'd be closer to a more talented Mike Fisher type player if he had remained at center. It was the rush. They they rushed this kid to play on the top line with Jason Arnott and Martin Erad. His first year in the league, and I think that forever stunted his growth. Just trying to get him out of the ice, no matter what they. I, I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. Because that was the top line that year they got eliminated by the Blackhawks, the 2010 year. Yeah, the infamous Game Five year. Yeah, that that year. Thanks, Martin Erat. They actually had a that was actually had a pretty interesting set of lines. It was the uh, the Erat, um, Arnott, and Wilson line. Then you had the Sullivan Gotch Hornquist line, which some nights that was the number one line. Yeah. And then you had uh, David Leguan, Joe Ward, and who was the third guy on that line? Yeah, it's gonna escape me. But then they Just also had, when in doubt say Radic Bonk. I wouldn't bonk. No, I know it wasn't bonk, but <laughs> I wanted to be. So that was a really that was a weird weird team. Was it um Dumont? Was he playing at that time? You're right. I think it was Dumont. In twenty ten? It was Dumont. It was Dumont, because what what else what other line would he have been on? He would have been on the fourth line. Mm-mm. And he also had uh two he also had a I think one one or two goals the first game. That's ever gonna that's always gonna stick with me. All right, um, let's get to it. Got five tough questions here. I was going to do fun with index cards, by the way, but uh, we're going to save that to next week. You're having too much fun with your technology. You can't go back to index cards. I anymore. can't handle index cards anyway. They're, they're stressful. That, we always have so much fun with those. I, that, I don't understand. It's true, but, but they come out and I get a little stressed. Good. Next week. Damn you. Damn you, Dan. Next week, index cards will be back. Um, number one. 
the Flyers game-winning goal, game winning goal was scored by, um, what's the guy's first name? Flyers fans just call him Ghost. It's, it's Travis Gustaberry, right? Yeah. Shane. Oh, Shane. Travis Gustaberry. Travis. Travis is our boss. Pete, oh, yeah. yeah. Pete, Weber, right. uh, Pete Weber called him Gustaberry, so I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, it's I. most people just default to Ghost Bear. What is your favorite hockey last name that's currently in the NHL? Ghost Bear. Other than Gustaberry. Is there anything else that comes close to that? Because Gustaberry's pretty uh, good. I gotta say the Flyers have a lot of really great last names right now. I mean, you've got like you got Vandeveld, which is a great last name. Medvedev's like a great. Russian Medvedev name. is a great last That's a name. Strong Russian. Name. You, you know what's a great last name? Yoki Paka, oh. on Dallas. Yoki Yoki Paka. Arizona also has a lot of, or they used to at least. You got Korpakovsky, uh, who scored another hat trick last night against <laughs> Ottawa again <laughs> last night. So two games against Ottawa that the that the Coyotes play, and he has hat tricks in both of them, which is pretty incredible. I mean, in general, just as a full name, uh, Pierre Edouard Belmer. That's a good one. Uh, he's not in the league anymore, but um, uh, Guillaume Latendresse. Latendresse. Um, well, really, I think we can say any of the French names have a like. Um, a, they're just fun. But Erickson Eck. The prospect I, in the Minnesota system. It's visually more fun than it is once you say it out loud. Eck. Yeah. Because it's Ericsson, space, E-K, Eck. It's more fun visually. Yeah, Bukestad's fun because there's a J in there. Bukestad is pretty fun. Bukestad. Number two of the following players, and this is a rank challenge, so you can rank them however you want to, from the uh, most worthy to least worthy. Of the following players, who is most worthy of a permanent roster spot on the 2015-2016 Nashville Predators? Paul Gostad. Eric Nystrom, Mika Salamaki, Colton Sissons, Austin Watson, and Gabriel Bork. Hmm. I would go with, just to buy you guys some time, uh, I would go with, and this is kind of a collection of meh here, but <laughs> but I'd go with, uh, I'd go with Sissons, uh, Bork, Mika, Watson, uh, Gostad, Nystrom. And I know I have Gostad low on that list, but what you're saying, like we're going to disagree with you. Yeah. Well, I, I know that some people are listening are going to disagree with me on that one. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, have a bias to skating and have a bias to goal scoring. I just, I prefer players that can yep. skate very well and can pass very well. And Gostad, even though he's great on the dot, but I would rather have people that are able to skate. So you'll rank Gostad the lowest. Gostad's ab- second lowest above Nystrom. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, the only thing that I might argue with is, um, maybe flip Bork and Sissons just because Bork has been in the NHL for a while. He's actually been doing really well this season, even if he's not piling up the points. But I mean, he looks like, you know, he's getting his shots through. He's in the right position most of the time. He's being a better passer. Yeah. And he's also just like going, going. He's been a lot more physical this year too, which I've, I've noticed, which is definitely odd, but that's good. Yeah, no, it it is. I mean, not that I'm saying that's a bad thing. So I guess it's really like one, a one B type of thing, because I mean, Again, I'm over here waving the Sissons flag, but oh, just, yeah. just one of those things that... Um, and then, yeah, I, uh, I think Watson's been doing fine where he's at, so I might even put him above where uh, Salamaki is, possibly. I am going to, to shock the table and the audience. My right. should, I, should I do this a reverse countdown? Let's do a reverse countdown. Let's so do a reverse countdown. Least worthy to most worthy. Okay, so 
Or which way, whatever way you We're want to do. We're going to do reverse countdown. So we have okay. Nystrom at the bottom, of course. Yeah. Uh, followed by Gostad. Okay. Didn't uh, see that standard. Coming. Yeah, I'm not. Whatever uh, you say now is not going to shock me. Because, now we have Salamaki. Uh, I think he's is, uh, four, number four. Uh, three, I have Bork. Then, since I don't want to ruin the surprise, my number one is Austin Watson. He of, of the much maligned by me, Austin Watson, I have number one followed by Colton Sissons. I he's just he's been a rock out there. I trust him on the ice entirely. This is a proud moment for me, man. <laughs> As someone who's been beating the Austin Watson drum for two years, and who's someone who's been beating his head like he's a you know a whack a mole for the same amount of time, saying he's never going to make the Predators team, though he should be in the NHL. He's never going to make the Predators. I I was wrong about that, and I've been happy with his play, and and he could replace anyone in that bottom line comfortably. Yes. Mm-hmm. Number three, we set our early season expectations, and most of us agreed, especially with the website and here are the three of us, that the expectations for the Predators were to make it to the second round or bust. Did we all aim a little too high, or did we all just kind of expect for them to, uh, they're going to make a move sometime in the season to address their need, and that's going to be enough to get them to the second round? No, because I think that from what we saw last year, I thought that they, with Peter Laviolette having another year to instill what he was doing, and with the... uh, little amounts of roster turnover that they had, which is virtually none, that they were going to be even better than they were last year and hopefully not draw the freaking Blackhawks again. Which, unfortunately, because of the playoff system, is constant threat. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, no, I mean, I think that with everything that happened last year, building off that and then going in and then possibly getting some help, you know, through trade or something like that. Uh, it it should have been second round or bust to begin with, and that's what the the franchise has to look at because no, now it's not get into the playoffs. Woo! It's a success. We're happy. I mean, if they get into the first round of the playoffs and get bounced again, that is a failure of a season. I would even argue that if they don't make it outside of the second round of the playoffs, that's a failure of a season. That might be a little bit too high, and I don't know if that's actually going to happen. But I think that I think that's correct. I think that we should have been aiming for second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I I hesitate a little bit because I felt like some key players like Mike Ribeiro and Mike Fisher would take a step back statistically. It just didn't make a lot of sense for them to keep playing at the level they were. And my assumption would be that you'd, you'd see an advancement in some of the younger players and them scoring more goals. Uh, we haven't really seen that. Forsberg's been struggling offensively a little bit. The team in general, um, other the past few games, have always been, been struggling. And uh, while they could correct themselves, I don't know with as poor, with a few with a, with a few moments that uh, Ribeiro has been, that anyone can make up the 60-point gap there. Uh, that's pretty steep. And I think that's a big thing about getting the, the Predators deep into a playoff run. Uh, so that's my big concern and, and makes me think that maybe we even overestimated a little bit and maybe we underestimated how difficult the center situation could be for the Predators. I think you hit it right there on the head because we all expected that, you know, the young players, the defense is all going to step up. But given how key of a position that Ribeiro and Fisher played last year and for just not having that much of production this year, that's what's stymieing uh, Neil. That's what's getting Forsberg off his game. I mean, that's what's frustrating the the, the first two lines. And frankly, one of the things that, that continues to bother me are the number of shots from the blue line. 
I mean, it, uh, you know, the, what's been coming out lately is, you know, a blue line shot, it's, it's you know, 5%. A shot from forward, you're looking more towards like an 8% or something, something along those lines. So the Predators are piling on shots from the blue line, and they're either going wide or they're low percentage chances. And the ones that make it through are usually ones that are hammered or they sneak through the deflection or something like that. Uh, so I just, I, I wonder if maybe it's, it, when they talk about offense from the point, they need to think more about um, really creative passing plays and good vision and not about just shooting, 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 shooting with low percentage shots. Uh, or if they're going to do that, they need to have forwards in position to actually pick up rebounds and not behind the net or to over to the side or on the board or in another zone. And that's why we're all big Colton Sissons fans, right? Yeah, because he's getting in front of the net. He's doing the dirty work. He's doing what he needs to do. Because And I even uh, the commenters have been mentioning it that there just aren't a lot of second chances there aren't a lot of people getting to the net and trying to get into those areas and when you can't score that's what's going to break that slump and once you get a couple of goals in there you go yeah i mean we we saw uh we saw buffalo use that to great effect against uh against soros Mm -hmm. in that they just they would crowd into the net and they would pick up those those pucks because soros would stop the first one and you know if if the defensive core is not on top of clearing the pocket or clearing the bodies out it was a great opportunity, and and Buffalo did that. Uh, two of Mike Fisher's three goals I was talking about earlier, that's what he did. Mm-hmm. He got in there, and he made the right rebound, uh, right play in the rebound. Number four, with UC Saros uh, being called up before Merrick Mazinitz, uh, what are the chances that Maz is moved before the deadline? Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think people were getting a little excited about that whole thing. Uh, Saros, I, I do believe Saros is tapped as being the next goaltender. He just has he's got better numbers. He's more touted. There's there's all the there's more buzz around him basically. Uh, I think the call up in this case was about testing. Was about hey, we called up Mazenix a few weeks ago. We got him to work with with Vanderklok a little bit. We got him to to work with Pekka and Carter and and take some shots with the NHL team. Well, you know, for the next call up, we're going to bring up Saros because the farm team is about developing players. So you got to get your your goalies up so you can develop them and give them the same experience. On, on the flip side of that, this is Saros's first season in North America, whereas Maz has been here for a little while. I mean, he got called up uh, at least once last year, if not a couple times. But he's the guy they called up over uh, Helberg when Rena got hurt. That's correct. And then, but he only got uh, in action because Carter Hutton let three goals in in the first like five shots of a, the Detroit game. So he saw just the action after that, and then never saw anything until Rene came back. And then same thing here when he was up, he was just purely to be a backup um, while Carter Hutton was out, and then they sent him back down. So I feel like with all that, they're probably should have been an opportunity for them to call him up and say like hey we need someone to start here you go here's because you've been kind of flip-flopping back and forth you've been in the AHL for a little bit but I guess if they are higher on Saros than they are in Mazanitz then why wouldn't they play the person that they want think that could lead them to win better yeah I think I think that's really that's it and is is Mazanitz at threat of being moved I mean as any asset who you think is that you rank below another equal or equivalent asset, yeah, he'd be under threat to be moved. But I don't think he's got enormous value to be moved. Maybe mm-hmm. I would throw him in as like a like a to a team that doesn't have a whole lot of goalie prospects. Like, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, Nashville is not exactly laden with goalie prospects right now. But it, well, the thing about a goalie prospect though is if you get a good one, you've got a lot of time to build up another one. Mm-hmm. This is true. Or so, you sign Cutter Hutton repeatedly for some weird reason. 
Number five. Uh, lastly, other than uh, Tyler Bozak, hashtag Nozak to Bozak, what potential trade target would you be encouraging the team to stay away from the most? Anyone named Eric Stahl? What's the reasoning uh, you use behind that? I mean, his numbers have been declining for years. He's getting older, and he's obviously a rental. Uh, I mean, none of those things are terribly attractive because you're going to have to pay way too many assets to get him at the trade deadline. And you're gonna, so you're going to trade a lot for a guy who probably isn't going to produce what you ex- would expect him to produce well past his prime in terms of on-paper on performance. I mean, even, even Carolina fans don't even know if they still even want him to re- be re-signed. Especially when you don't know what he's going to cost yeah. next year. I mean, open market prices. Woof. Um, I guess you could also even throw David Backus on there too. I mean, same same idea. Which they're not going to go after Backus because division. Yeah. Madness is David Backus. What madness? I actually <laughs> love David Backus, but you know he's not coming to Nashville. Uh, who else would be out there though, other than this, other than Stall? Like that you would, and other than Bozak because we mentioned him. But who else would you be saying, David? No. Not 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 him. Hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty tough one. I'm trying to remember all the top centers in the market who might actually be available, to, even their top two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they can go a little, some a little bit deeper. Like, say, if they went after like a like Martin Hansel, or you know, he actually plays hockey for for Arizona. I was not aware that they still did that there. Yeah, when he's not hurt, he's oh. actually pretty good. Um, is Shane Doan still murdering people with his yeah, elbows? Yeah, he's that's still the, murdering he, he's the reason why. And he's teaching a whole, a whole younger generation now to uh, to how to elbow him people. I, I honestly think that the heat in in the state of Arizona drove him to madness. Shane, Shane Doan was probably a perfectly fine person, and then the heat just made him go mad, and then he then he just started throwing elbows around. Is Shane Doan a center? I forget. No, he's winger. Okay, well, let's pretend he's a center. I don't want him either. Done. Yeah, that, that, no objections. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know who else would even be like available as far as as far as like rentals yeah, go. I, there's not really a whole lot. Well, of me. The, yeah, the rental market for top line centers is uh, well, because we're talking about who we wouldn't want for, for yeah. the Predators. That's tough because everyone I think of who be a rental are guys I, I mostly would want other than Eric Stahl, like. Stamkos, Kopitar, Malkin. Stamkos, I would love. <laughs> Malkin yeah. would be a rental. St- Stamkos comes, no. comes does does a waltz through Nashville before heading up to to Toronto. Uh, to Toronto. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. Well, it's not going to happen. But mm. well, of course, it's not going to happen. No. But we can dream. We're talking. About, we're talking about. We're talking about <laughs> elite to sub elite centers. None of these are going to happen unless like. Sackick blows a fuse and trades Duchesne or something to Nashville. God, that would be awesome. Duchesne loves Nashville. This isn't talked about enough, but Matt Duchesne, like if he's been asked multiple times, what's your favorite place to play? Loves Nashville. Bought some boots. Like threw him in the river. It's awesome. Did he really throw him in the river? Oh, did he? Yeah. No, I just that's like isn't that what tourists do? They buy boots and throw them in the river. Do no. they? No, he bought some boots before he even came here. He flew in to Nashville wearing boots. Okay, I was just talking awesome. about in general. Didn't mean to derail us into, do into they, like weird zone. Do they retrieve them from the river, or do they just throw them into the river? I may not even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm knows. like, this is the first I've ever heard of this. Like, it's yeah. like maybe maybe it's like one of those natural urban legends that all the tourists they throw their boots into the river and then they have to dredge out all the boots out of the river from time to time, just filled with cheap leather. Well, I mean, they do do the buy one get two free downtown. So yeah, what do you do with those with a bunch of really terrible boots? I mean, throw what, them in the river. You, you wear them. You wear them. 
and then you go on to lower Broadway and then you get drunk enough where you start filling the boots up with margaritas and then you're like, I got to get rid of these boots. Because <laughs> only tourists really, that's that's actually true. Only tourists would drink margaritas in Nashville. Yeah. And then why do you, why do you think that Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville actually like stands the test of time? <laughs> I do like some of the non-margarita stuff they have there though. Pretty good. Actually, the Loaded Land Shark was like one of my go-tos like a few years ago. I can't say that I've ever been there. I don't know what the words you're saying mean. <laughs> Loaded Land Shark is where they take a shot of tequila and like put it on the top of like a Corona or a Land Shark beer. Oh, I was talking about that the other day. The last time I saw someone do that, it did not go well. Well, what can I say? Dan rolls hard. He rolls <laughs> harder than we do. Yeah. <laughs> At least when it comes to that stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, at some point, you need to ask Zito about our, our trip to the Vanderbilt game a couple weeks ago. I, I, I plan to. Yeah. I heard some. I wanted to hear the other side of it because you said some good things. Okay. Gotcha on that. All right. So let's go and look ahead to this week. Um, who do we got on the schedule this week? Ooh. Coyotes. Oh, boy. Uh, someone else and someone else. Uh, it, said, it said, I pull up the schedule beforehand, but for some reason my computer always refreshes away from it, and I don't know why. Oh, mine, I saved it to like a PDF file on my uh, my thing over here, and it... Uh, Co- Coyotes, Panthers, Red Wings, all at home. Ooh, okay. Coyotes, Panthers, Red Wings. So Coyotes, not great. Panthers, up and down. Red Wings, old. So, hmm, what are we thinking here? 2-0-1-1? 2 you know, 2 1-1, 1-1-1? I feel... I feel a warmth in my soul that I have not felt in some time. I think they're just going to win all three games, and everyone's going to stop complaining. I think half of that happens. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say the second part. I don't know if it's ever gonna stop happening. I love the one tweet that we got after the one goal on um, against uh, Philadelphia. All of our offensive problems <laughs> are overblown, or something like that. <laughs> It was, it was no it was it was against uh it was the Buffalo game. We got a uh, it was one goal and the guy was convinced that we were just all wrong on that one. Yeah. I'm like okay. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Whatever. Yeah, great, man. Yeah. Um no, I will say that it'll join me down. Yeah. Uh, no, I can't. I don't I don't have that that burning sunshine in my heart right now. I'm going to say that it's going to go 2 one and 0. I think that they're I think that they can win two of those games, but one of them, I would say they will lose against the Red Wings. It's the Red Wings game a Saturday game or a Friday game? It's a Saturday game. It is a Saturday game. Yeah, they're actually yeah. back to a regular Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday setup, which Yay. is nice. So I it, think the Predators play better on that traditional layout. Well, it's a Saturday game at, at home, right? Uh, No, it's in Detroit. Oh, it is in Detroit. Oh, yeah, oh. It's, got a, it's got a 6 o'clock start time, so it's... Definitely in Detroit. Okay, well, my uh, email was wrong then, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say any from now on any Saturday gold helmet game, automatically loss. lost. Automatic yeah. loss. No, they're one and three with those helmets right now. Any excuse it takes, man. Wh- whatever we need, whatever we can do to justify getting rid of the. Um, I can't even want to use the, the the phrase I really want to use to, to describe them. Did you hear the Buffalo player use that phrase no. last night? Did he seriously call them piss buckets? No, he didn't. Sorry, I, he he called them yellow. Ah, oh, I like my phrase better. Piss buckets are a lot of fun. Yeah. No, but they were. Uh, it was like he was. I guess he was a rookie or something. I just saw a quick tweet on it, and uh, the broadcaster was asking him like, "What do you think of Nashville? Like, is Nashville a hockey market?" Just like, "Oh, hey, yeah, I love it here. Uh, I'm not so sure. I like the yellow helmets, but uh, and then like the clip cut off. I was like, okay. Oh, that's it. I mean, he could have went could have went deeper on that. I think they probably cut the broadcast off a little early. Probably I think that that was the that was the point. We 
we all know the wrath of calling those helmets yellow. The hammer will come. Swiftly and without justice. Or without mercy, I'm without sorry. Mercy. I, I was also <laughs> without justice because those yellow helmets <laughs> do no justice to anybody. Especially with the LED lighting, you can actually tell that they're different shades. Yeah, They don't look as bad in person, but on TV they look terrible and sports are all about TV these days. Like You have to have a good television product. But Dan, you can't see the puck on TV anyways. Mainly because yeah. the glare of the helmets, but... It's hard to watch hockey and television. Everyone knows this. When are they going to start doing the gold puck? That's what I want to know. You know what? Fox Tracks worked, okay? Like, it actually <laughs> got people like me to watch it on my crummy little 19-inch, like, Magnavox TV I had in my bed. No, 13-inch TV I had in my bedroom. This is a true story. The part of the reason why I started watching hockey in the 90s was because of Fox Tracks. Well, there you go. Yeah. Today's podcast Million, is brought to you by Fox Tracks. Millions of dollars of <laughs> innovation going into a little bit of vulcanized rubber with, like, a... Like satellite GPS primitive guidance system that they had to go retrieve the pucks from the stands. You know, I think they should do. What's that? They should actually just send a broadcast to your house to grip the side of your head and just like move your head around so you can like the just the puck is where people are skating. Oh, it's like right what Devin, there, like what Devin Dubnik did, like the body tracking. Yeah, thing the head tracking. Yeah, yeah, the head tracking. Oh, I mean, it's like you just the guy parlay that into like a four million dollar for seven year deal that'd be great yeah well budweiser might be on that so they got the goal light and they've got the little thing that moves your head with the goal light too yeah i was worried that my goal light was broken and just realized the predators weren't scoring goals womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> all right you can follow him on twitter at 3d link you can follow him on twitter at jgarcia 36 you can follow myself at dan d bradley what's up what him you follow him we have names, Dan. <laughs> you can follow that one on Twitter at. <laughs> they can't tell where you're pointing, Dan. No, I didn't. Dan didn't point. I was just. Like, where am I pointing? <laughs> uh, anything else before we close up shop on this one? I don't think so. Hopefully the Preds don't suck this week. Three and zero. Three and zero. You can follow the show at On the Forecheck. Uh, this has been the Predcast, brought to you by Lions Internet Marketing Solutions and OnTheForeCheck.com. We'll talk to y'all next week.